the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. Please understand, in the corporate worship setting like this, sometimes stuff that I'm teaching is going to go over children's heads. And some of the stuff that I'm teaching, quite honestly... It's not appropriate for young ears. And that's not just because I messed up. I mean, because the Bible speaks at a level which sometimes, uh, that's not really age appropriate for the youngest kids. You know, the Bible has some things to talk about. For example, there's some really gruesome murder scenes in the Bible. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Nehemiah. The teaching of God's Word and His values to our children is one of the most important roles we have as believers in Christ. However, it's also important that we use discretion when teaching them due to the Bible's transparency regarding the sinful nature of man. In today's message, Pastor Gary teaches us the importance of discerning our children's maturity level when teaching them through God's Word. In our study, we also learn that while some passages might not be mature, they're not always easy for children to understand. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in Nehemiah 3 for part two of today's message titled, Examining Our Gates, the Bible. In Ephesians 5, verse 25, I'm going to start in the middle of verse 25, and this is what it says. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through what? The word, through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and Blameless. So again, here's what Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, that Christ is the bridegroom. We are the bride, the church. And, and the, the Lord desires to purify us and cleanse us. And how does that happen? It comes really through the effectual work of God's word in our hearts and lives. We come to relationship with Christ because of the, of the Bible. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So as Christ is revealed to us, we come into this conviction of our hearts. And the Bible has this wonderful purifying effect where it cleanses us. And so Paul says there in Ephesians 5, through 25 to 27, he says, listen, it's like Jesus who is washing us with the water of his word. And therefore, in, in sort of a modern parallel sense, the water gate, it's number 17 on our ongoing list of principles from Ezra through Nehemiah, 
the Watergate reminds us of the Bible and that we must continue to keep the Bible central to all that we do and to teach it as the inspired, inerrant, infallible Word of God that changes hearts and lives. Amen? Now listen, this is important stuff here. How many of you understand it? Again, you know, churches that go through growth spurts and then, they, you know, building projects, they can get off track. It's easy to happen. You, you, you start to focus on the growth. You start to focus on buildings. You start to focus on all that kind of stuff. It's easy to get off track. I don't want our church to get off track. And one of the things that we need to be careful about is that the Bible always remains central to everything that we're about and that we believe it as the inspired Inerrant, infallible word of God that changes hearts and lives. This is important. Now, I want you to notice with me, if if you're in Ephesians, come back to Nehemiah. I want you to go to Nehemiah chapter 8 now. Jump a couple of chapters over to chapter 8. Because I want you to notice that there's a scene at the water gate where scripture is read. And so it's another reason why the water gate kind of points to the Bible. It points to scripture. It's this whole idea of the word of God. Nehemiah chapter 8. I'm going to read just the first three verses. Look at what it says with me. It says, When the seventh month came, and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled as one man in the square before the water gate. Okay, so I want you to picture a mass assembly of the people right there on the platform area in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month... Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. Note that. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Okay, your attention again. So here we have the scene in front of the water gate where the law of Moses is being read, which is basically the first five books of our Old Testament. Uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Those, those, that's the Pentateuch, the law of Moses. So that's what they bring out. And all the people have gathered here in the water gate area, and Ezra is reading the book of the law, the Bible, the word of God. And all the people are listening as he's reading it here at the water gate. And I want you to notice it says there, look at verse 3. That he read it from daybreak till noon. He read it from 6 a.m. till 12 noon. And you thought our services were long. (laughs) We only have an hour church service, friends. You're off easy. It was a six-hour church service in that day. Read it from daybreak till noon for six hours. And I want you to also notice with me, curiously, in verses 2 and 3, It says it twice, once in verse 2 and once in verse 3, that the audience was made up of men, women, and all who could understand, or all who were able to understand. That is the audience who are listening to the teaching of God's word here. The corporate assembly in this scene of Nehemiah chapter 8 was for men women, and all who were able to understand. In other words, some of the youngest ones 
We're not a part of the corporate assembly. Now, let me just park it here, and I want to just address this for just a few minutes, because this passage of Scripture really does lay out for us the philosophy of ministry here regarded to the proper ways that we try to teach God's Word, which means that we try to teach it on an age-appropriate level. When you read this text, you have to ask yourself, where are those who were not old enough to understand? The children are taken care of, it's inferred in some other way, but the ones who have gathered to listen to the teaching of the Word of God in the assembly were the adults primarily, men, women, and all who were old enough, able to understand. Which is why here at Cornerstone, we encourage you to take advantage of our wonderful children's ministry, and it's why we work so hard at having a good children's ministry, because we want to teach your children at their age-appropriate level. The corporate worship service is geared more towards an adult setting. And the reason is because the Bible is kind of an adult book with a lot of adult topics, if you haven't noticed. And so, you know, this is why we do some of the things that we do around here. We are sensitive and we love kids, but we want to teach children at their age-appropriate level. Please understand, in the corporate worship setting like this, sometimes stuff that I'm teaching is going to go over children's heads. And some of the stuff that I'm teaching, quite honestly, is not appropriate for young ears. And that's not just because I'm messed up. I mean, because the Bible speaks at a level which sometimes, uh, that's not really age appropriate for the youngest kids. You know, the Bible has some things to talk about. For example, there's some really gruesome murder scenes in the Bible. There's some scenes about, you know, tent pegs and hammers through the temples of people. There's stories about people being beheaded and stories about people being impaled. Those are some pretty gruesome and graphic murder scenes in the Bible. And you might be thinking, why don't you just skip over those, Pastor Jesus? Because I go through the whole Bible. We're going to talk about gruesome stuff like that from time to time. We're going to talk about affairs and adultery. There's a lot in here. We're going to talk about, for example, the subject of circumcision. That's in the Bible, friends. All right? Not necessarily child-friendly topics. We're going to talk about some sexual stuff. There's some sexual stuff in the Bible. In case you haven't noticed, there's a whole book in the Bible, the Song of Solomon, that's really pretty much about sexual intimacy between a husband and a wife. Do you know that Jews were not allowed to read the Song of Solomon until they were 30 years old or married? I got some guys on my pastoral staff who probably shouldn't be reading the Song of Solomon. Even today in an Orthodox Jewish home, you cannot read this book, A Song of Solomon, until you've been bar mitzvahed as a boy or bat mitzvahed as a girl around the age of 13. Because there's some sensitive sexual stuff in the book, A Song of Solomon. Now, right about here, some of you are like, where is that book? I'm going to find that book. What's this guy talking about? Some of you guys are like, honey, you've never really thought that I did devotions very well. We're going to go home. We're going to start devotions. We're going to go to The Song of Solomon. You want to have devotions? We're having devotions, baby. We're going to The Song of Solomon, wherever that book is. All right, calm down, Jack. So here's the deal. The deal is some information is not always age-appropriate, and so that's why our service is geared more for adults. Now, listen, on, on a very practical level, it's not really fair to expect your kids to sit still for 35 minutes while they listen to me. I'm going to bore them out of their gourd, all right? All right, some of you as adults, I bore you out of your gourd. Some of you as adults have a hard enough time sitting still for 35 minutes. Some of you need your ADHD medicine just to come and listen to me. And you know what I'm talking about. It's not really fair to them. And by the way, it's not really fair to others around you. 
who might be here for the very first time and maybe for the very first time are making life-changing decisions for Christ and they need to hear the word of God. And it's hard sometimes for them to hear when children are doing as children do. They get restless, they get fidgety, they get hungry, they whine, they cry. And before you know it, your little seating environment becomes a place for goldfish and Legos and your children aren't getting anything out of it and the people around you aren't either. So we need to be sensitive. We need to be sensitive to the needs of our children. We need to be sensitive to the needs of people around us. Obviously, we don't prohibit children from being in here, but we need to have great sensitivity that if our children become restless, we need to take care of them and also to think about people around us. Okay, that's why we have excellent children's ministry. We have a fellowship hall where it's projected out there on video. You can walk your child around. We have a mommy and me room where you can go to nurse your children privately and see the, the service. It is videoed into the room. So, I mean, we make provision as best as we can. But this is all about making sure the Bible is taught in a way that people can hear and understand and receive. Because the Bible is important. And we want to minister to people on their age-appropriate level. So sometimes people will push back and they'll say, you know, don't, don't you want Cornerstone to be known, though, as a family-friendly church? Of course we do. But so much so that we have ministry for everybody in your entire family so that the Word of God and Jesus can be taught at an age level where they can hear and receive. Gathered here at the Watergate were men, women, and all those who were able to understand the Bible needs to be central to everything that we're about as a church. Now, I want to go back to the language here in the point, because what does it mean that we want to teach the inspired, inerrant, infallible Word of God? Here's, here's what we mean. And those of you who like to take notes, you might want to jot down these terms. And I know this you know, might be almost uh, you know, information overload, but th these are important points, and, and I'm going I'm to explain why. We believe that the Bible is, first of all, inspired. That is to say that it is God's revelation expressed through men who were vessels of his thoughts and intentions. We believe it is inerrant, that it is totally true without contradiction or error in the original manuscripts. And we believe that it is infallible. It is accurate, reliable, and trustworthy for all matters of faith and practice. The Bible says about itself, in terms of inspiration, the first point, 1 Peter, 2 Peter 1.21, that prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men were carried along as they were spoken to by the Holy Spirit. In 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All Scripture is literally God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Inspiration means that God so directed the human writers of Scripture that using their unique personalities and even their unique literary styles... His complete revelation, God's complete revelation for mankind was recorded. And that, by, by the way, it was recorded without error or contradiction. That's inerrancy. That's the second point. In other words, that man didn't interject his own views or superimpose his own ideas. That the Bible is a compilation of 66 books from Genesis to Revelation, written by around 40 authors over a period of about 1,600 years, on three continents with three languages. And yet all of it, miraculously and wonderfully, complements itself, is non-contradictory, 
is thoroughly consistent and gives one central theme. The Bible presents one central theme, theme that God loves mankind so much that he gave his son Jesus Christ to die on the earth for our sins that by believing in him we might have our sins forgiven and go to heaven when we die. That's the, that's the sum total of the Bible. And it is amazing to think, 40 writers, 1,600 years, three languages, three continents. I mean, friends, you couldn't get three reporters from the New York Times in the same room using the same language to write the same story and have the kind of accuracy and consistency like the Bible has. It is a testimony of God's divine grace over the formation of his word. And it is infallible in the sense that it will never fail you. You can trust and rely on the truth of the Bible for your life. Nothing about it will lead you astray. Nothing about it will ever deceive you. Now, why is all this important? Why do I need to say all this? Why do I need to say, listen, the Bible's going to still be central for our church. It's going to be the foundation of truth in our, in our lives and for our church. Why is it important that, that I say all this? It's important for this reason. Because unfortunately, over the past several decades, we've seen a growing erosion among some Christian schools, some Christian seminaries, and some mainline denominations, a growing erosion of belief in the inspiration, inerrancy, and infallibility of the Bible. That even within Christian communities, people no longer hold the Word of God in high view. Case in point, there was a survey that was done a while ago among Christian colleges. Christian colleges in the United States of America. 200 Christian colleges were surveyed and the survey was conducted by America's Research Group, and they interviewed 312 administrators and professors from 200 Christian colleges, administrators and professors being presidents, vice presidents, and heads of the science and religion departments. And these 200 Christian colleges, 312 administrators of these colleges, were asked what they believe, and the results were startling. What they believed, first of all, the good news. Almost all the leaders at Christian colleges that were surveyed say that they believe in Scripture's inspiration. And most accept the New Testament history regarding Christ. But that does not necessarily mean that they hold the same high view of the inerrancy of Scripture, nor do they hold a high view of the Old Testament Scriptures. And so among Christian colleges, look at this survey. Here are the results. What are your views on the Bible? 98%, should have been 100%, but 98% believe in the inspiration of Scripture. But then it declines. 81% believe in the infallibility of Scripture. In other words, only 81% believe that the Bible is accurate, reliable, and trustworthy for all matters of faith and practice. And only 74% believe in the inerrancy of Scripture, meaning that only 74% believe that it is totally true without contradiction or error in the original manuscripts. That's appalling, friends. You need to do your research. If you're going to send your kids to Christian schools, you need to ask, what's your statement of faith? What do you believe as a college? Do you believe in the inerrancy, inspiration, and infallibility of Scripture? Because not everybody does anymore. It got even worse when it came to some things related to Old Testament history. Only 60% believe in God creating the earth in six literal 24-hour days. And only 58% believe the flood was worldwide. 
Sadly, some of our Christian colleges are going the way of many of our schools of higher education have gone over the past few centuries. Do you know that most of the Christian colleges that were started 300 years ago in America were actually founded as Christian universities to train men and women with the gospel of Jesus Christ? In an article that was written by Bodie Hodge for Answers in Genesis, the article was entitled, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Oxford, Once Christian? Question mark. She wrote in her article this, quote, Most of the colleges in the United States that started over 300 years ago were Bible-proclaiming schools originally. Harvard and Yale, originally Puritan schools, and Princeton, originally Presbyterian, once had rich Christian histories. In the article, she writes, quote, accepting a naturalistic worldview and compromising scripture were the first cracks in these universities' Christian foundations. These cracks led to the collapse of their Christian heritage. As Psalm 11.3 states, when the foundation is destroyed, what can the righteous do? Cracks in the foundation led to a collapse of the Christian worldview at these schools. You might be shocked to learn that your major Ivy League schools in America were once started as seminaries to train people in ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The list is this, Brown University, Columbia, Cornell, Dartmouth, University of Pennsylvania, Harvard, Princeton, and Yale, all originally Christian seminaries. Their mottos that still adorn their crest, written in Latin, many of them, let me translate for you in English, Brown University's motto is, in God we hope. Columbia University's motto is, in thy light we shall see light. Dartmouth's motto is, a voice crying out in the wilderness. University of Pennsylvania, their motto is, laws without morals are useless. Harvard's motto is one word, truth. Yale's motto, two words, light and truth. Princeton's motto is, under God's power she flourishes. These schools were started as Christian colleges. What has happened? There's been an erosion of the truth of God's word. And it is happening not only in some Christian schools, not only in our major Ivy League schools, it is happening even in some of our denominations. There was another survey done by the Barner Research Group in answer to the question, do you believe that the Bible is totally accurate? And among denominations surveyed, here's the list. The Assemblies of God scored the highest at 77%, and then it trailed off from there. Non-denominational response, 70%, yes, think the Bible is totally accurate. 66% of Baptists, 38% of Methodists, 34% of Lutherans, 22% of Episcopalians. When they combined all the averages of Protestant churches, mainline Protestant churches, and then the Roman Catholic Church, they discovered this. On average, only 34% of mainline Protestants say the Bible is totally accurate, and only 26% of Catholics say so. So why is it important that I talk about how inspired, inerrant, and infallible God's Word is? And why is it important that I remind us the Watergate is a reminder of the Bible and how it will remain central to all that we do and how we will teach it as the inspired and errant infallible word of God that changes hearts and lives. Because a lot of places are trending away from the Bible. And it is my commitment to you, as long as I'm pastor here, we will not trend away from the Bible. It will be what we hear, what we teach, what we believe, and what we live our lives on. Amen? Amen. And listen to me, listen to me on this. 
Listen to me, bringing back the original point to the end of the teaching here, the water gate was the only gate that did not need to be fixed. We need to stop trying to improve upon the Bible. It doesn't need to be fixed. It needs to be embraced. We need to embrace the Bible, the whole Bible, and nothing but the Bible. Doesn't need to be fixed, friends. We need to live it for the glory of God. Amen? Nehemiah faced a daunting task of leading one of the waves of returning exiles and rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. The work was hard and slow and filled with setbacks and struggles, including enemies who came up against them. The great thing about Nehemiah was that he wasn't a priest and he wasn't a Levite. In fact, he wasn't in professional ministry in any way. You may not be a pastor, but God can use your experience and willingness all the same. Who knows what amazing things he may have in store for you if you'll open yourself to his leading and step out in faith. You have a great journey awaiting you. Just ask God to open your eyes to his plan. We'd love to pray for you along this journey, too. Are you facing a difficult situation? Call us and share your prayer requests at 703-771-1500. To hear more great messages from Pastor Gary Hamrick, look us up online at cornerstoneconnection.cc or subscribe to our podcast. You can also take Cornerstone Connection with you on our mobile app to listen to whenever and wherever you are. That's it for today. We pray you continue to seek God in your everyday experiences and that you feel His presence in your life today. Be sure to tune in again for another exciting edition of Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not alone Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.